is good, my black kings and my black queens. It's your host, Ken, with two N's. And welcome back to another episode of All Black Everything. The podcast where we, W-E, yes, you and me, discover and discuss all things bliggity black. Alright, so today's February 10th. And, uh... I got a quick question. Do y'all like peaches? I just ate some peaches, like canned peaches. I usually don't eat canned fruit, but I was at the store on my last grocery trip, and I was like, you know, why not? So I bought some, and I don't know how I feel about them. I feel like they, like, I feel like canned peaches don't smell like, like, natural peaches. Like, whole peaches that you just buy. It's just, I don't know. They just don't smell the same to me. It's not like it's a bad smell, but it's just like, it's noticeably different to me, at least. But I don't know. Anyway, today we shall be talking about the one and only, the great, the legendary Queen Rosa Parks. Yes, yes, yes. Rosa Parks, the. The walking embodiment of the word no. You know, she was no in the flesh. And uh, ultimately, she, she started, um, she set off like a chain reaction. She was a catalyst, definitely a catalyst. And then her catalyst was, you know, Emmett Till, uh, King I did yesterday, so let's get into it, let's hop right into it. So, Rosa Parks was born, Rosa Louise McCauley, on February 4th, 19th, hey, February 4th, that's just, uh, my sister's birthday, in 1913 in Tuskegee, Alabama. Her mother, Leona Edwards, was a teacher, and her father, James McCauley, was a carpenter. Early in Parks' childhood, she moved to Pine Level, right outside the state capital of Montgomery. Parks was a member of the African Methodist Episcopal Church and attended primary school until the age of 11. Parks walked to school every day and realized the disparity between black and white children. In her biography, uh, Parks recalled, I see the bus pass every day, but to me, that was a way of life. We had no choice but to accept what was the custom. The bus was among the first ways I realized there was a black world and a white world. My God. Um, as I said a couple of episodes ago, uh, yeah, that does that is like a real thing, you know, black America, white America, black world, black, white world. But it's not, you know, it's not just those two. Um because that's not the only two types of people in the world. You know, every uh, race and every ethnicity, more so just in the U.S. When they when they come to the U.S., they start to, to live, I, because I can't speak for other countries, because I, I've never lived, I've lived only in the U.S. so far. But, um, when you know, when people come over here, they have their own set of uh, challenges and, and obstacles that they face that are unique. To them and their ethnicity and their and their race, so 
You know, yes, there definitely is a black world, a white world, black America, white America, but it's also, you know, Native American world, Native American America, Mexican America, uh, Mexican world, Asian, American Asian world, you know, so on and so forth. Um, Parks continued her education at the Alabama State Teachers College for Negroes for secondary education. However, after a few semesters, Parks returned home to care for her ailing mother and grandmother. In 1932, Parks married Raymond Parks, a barber and a member of the NAACP. Parks became involved in the NAACP through her husband, helping to raise money for the Scottsboro Boys. In the daytime, Parks worked as a maid and hospital aide before finally receiving her high school diploma Excuse me, in 1933. In 1943... Parks became even more involved in the civil rights movement and was elected secretary of the NAACP of this experience. Parks said, I was the only woman there and they needed a secretary. I was too timid. Listen to this. I was too timid to say no. The following year, Parks used her role as secretary to research the gang rape of uh, Reese Taylor as a result, other local activists established a committee for equal justice for Mrs. Reese Taylor. Through the help of newspapers such as the Chicago Defender, the incident received national attention. While working for a liberal white couple, Parks was encouraged to attend the Highlander Folk School, a center for activism and workers' rights and social equality. Following her education, at this school, Parks attended a meeting in Montgomery, address the Emmett Till case. At the end of the meeting, it was decided that African Americans needed to do more for their rights. So, um, it's like I, like I said yesterday when I did Emmett Till's episode, and I mentioned that, um, like towards the end, how, excuse me, his death or his transcendence was his his murder let's call it what it was his murder um was a catalyst and it sparked a uh, a need for change in a lot of people such as sister Rosa Parks and uh as I mentioned yesterday uh Cassius Clay was one of them or better known as Muhammad Ali So, uh, it was a few weeks before Christmas in 1955 when Rosa boarded a bus after working as a seamstress. Taking a seat in the colored section of the bus, Parks was asked by a white man to get up and move so he could sit. Parks refused. As a result, the police were called and Parks was arrested. Parks' refusal to move her seat ignited the Montgomery bus boycott. A protest that lasted 381 days and pushed Martin Luther King into the national spotlight. Throughout the boycott, King referred to Parks as the great fuse that led to the modern stride toward freedom. Parks was not the first woman to refuse to give up her seat on a public bus. In 1945, Irene Morgan was arrested for the same act, and several months before Parks, Sarah Louise Keyes and Claudette Coven committed the same transgression. However, NAACP leaders 
argued that Parks, with her long history as a local activist, would be able to see a court challenge through. As a result, Parks was considered an iconic figure in the civil rights movement and the fight against racism and segregation in the United States. Now, I did not know that she wasn't the first person. Well, I mean, I didn't know, like, the names of the women that came before Rosa Parks that refused to give up their seat, but I figured that, you know, with the amount of time that this occurred, you know, that uh, segregation lasted, the amount of time that segregation lasted, I figured that there would be somebody before Rosa Parks who had said, like, Nah, cause like no, homie. I'm si- I'm sitting right here. Like I got on the bus, um, fairly uh sitting in the section that has been designated for me, the colored section of the bus. So if I'm sitting in my section of the bus, and you're white, and you come to the colored section, what makes you think I would give up my seat for you? Like, sir, you came to our section. This is the section that y'all designated for us, right? So this is our section. Not y'all. This is our. It doesn't say white section. It don't say green, yellow, red, purple. It don't say none of that. It says colored as in black, right? And you expect me to give up my seat to you? You, you came to our section. And you expect me to give up my seat to you? Well, I like what 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 sense is that? Was there if there was no seats in your section, then you better go stand over there. Like it, it just does not. You wouldn't if okay. For instance, so for the water fountains, they had the white water fountains and they had black water fountains. If yo if the white water fountain wasn't working and a black person was drinking from that. Uh, from the black water fountain, I'm pretty sure that white person wouldn't be like, "Hey, stop drinking water and let me get some." No, why? Because they thought they thought black people was nasty anyway. So why would a supposedly clean white person want to drink from a dirty black person's water fountain? Exactly. So why are you coming into the color section of the bus trying to take one of our seats? When I, when I guarantee that the bus was not split 50-50, that shit was probably 70-30. White people probably had most of the seats in the buses. But what they do, he gonna come to our section and be like, give me your seat. Why you wanna sit back here with us anyway? You don't even like us, bro. Why would you, why would you wanna sit with us? You don't like us. I don't know, that's just me, that's just my thoughts on it, you know? Although, Parks' courage allowed her to become a symbol of the growing movement, she and her husband suffered severely. Parks was fired from her job at the local department store. No longer feeling safe in Montgomery, the Parks' moved to Detroit as part of the Great Migration. While living in Detroit, Parks served as secretary for U.S. Representative John Conyers from 1965 to 1969. 
Following her retirement from Kanye's office, Parks devoted her time to documenting and and continuing to support the civil rights work she had begun in the 1950s. In 1979, Parks received the Spingarn Medal from the NAACP. In 1987, the Rosa and Raymond Parks Institute for Self-Development was incorporated by Parks and longtime friend Elaine Eason Steele to teach, support, and encourage leadership in civil rights and young people. She wrote two books, Rosa Parks, My Story in 1992, and Quiet Strength, The Faith, the Hope, and the Heart of a Woman Who Changed the Nation. Oh, I like that title. That's a strong title right there. In 1994, a collection of her letters was published in 1996 called Dear Mrs. Parks, A Dialogue with Today's Youth. She was the recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1996 from Bill, from President Bill Clinton. Hey, that boy Bill. <laughs> Bill Will. The Congressional Gold Medal in 1999 and many other accolades. In the year 2000, Rosa Parks Museum and Library at Troy State University in Montgomery was opened near where she had been arrested. Um... I like the fact that she opened up a, a uh, what was it? Hold on, give me one second. A self-development institute. That right there. Okay, so like my goals in life, one of my goals in life is to be a self-development slash self-improvement coach. And so the fact that she developed an entire institute around one of my goals is like like I now like of course I wanted to have like my own um as far as like being the the self self development self improvement coach you know what I mean having my own program and my own clients and whatnot but I I never thought to develop like a, a institute like a school like a entire like like a building like build a building solely dedicated towards self development and and self improvement. But see now that I read this, you know now it's on my radar and it's something that that I'm interested in. But um, I think that's actually. You know, it's a testament to how much you can grow and how much you can, if if something really bothers you, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, if something is really bothering you in, in your life, something that you can change, something that you can have control over, then it's possible for you to take care of that, you know, for you to develop that and further that whichever way um, is deemed necessary. And so, like I said, um, for Rosa Parks, she, when they asked her to be secretary for the NAACP, it said she was too timid to say no. So she was, she didn't, you know, she didn't want to say no. And, I mean, we're not really sure why that is, Um I know for some reason people don't say no. For most of the reason why people say no, they don't want to come off as like mean. 
They don't want to sound mean or, you know, they just like helping people so much. And so sometimes they really should say no, but they say yes anyway because they want to be nice to everybody. Excuse me. They say uh, yes because they want to be nice to everybody. They don't want to. They don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But then at the same time, if you continue to say yes, if you continue to be a yes man, then a lot of times you get yourself into situations where you're unhappy. And so, yes, you're you you spare somebody. You say yes to spare somebody else's feelings. And, you know, now you're doing something for them and it's making them happy. But you're in the process. You're being unhappy. Your happiness is being taken away from you because this is not something that you really wanted to do. You're just doing it to be nice to the other person. So it's like at what to what extent do you go with being unhappy trying to cater yourself to the needs of others, you know? At what point do you stop and look at yourself and say, (laughs) I'm tired of being unhappy. Um, You know, I'm out here making, I'm out here not making, well, not making, but I'm contributing to everybody else's happiness. You know, I'm feeding into them, putting my energy into them, but nobody's putting their energy into me, you know, like at that point, you're not even putting any energy um into yourself. You know, all your energy is being spread out and expended to other people. So, it's like, at what point? At what point is enough is enough? And so, for Rosa Parks, I mean, you know, this whole bus situation, like, that was it. That was her turning point. Yes, she had been too timid to say no. But with the, the the but with her role in the NAACP and then with her and then with the you know the Emmett Till case just happening, it's like she wanted change. Excuse me. She wasn't gonna say excuse me, she wasn't gonna say yes just to just to avoid conflict or just to make this white man happy, you know, just to give him her seat. No, she wanted to enact change. She did not she no longer wanted to be the yes man or in this case the yes woman. And she put herself and her people before anything else in this situation. And so I feel like that's what some of us are missing. Um, I know that was something that I was missing personally. I didn't, I was a yes man. I was always, you know, doing stuff for people. Um, you know, just cause I didn't, much like what I said, I didn't want to hurt their, hurt their feelings. So I was doing, I was pretty much agreeing to do everything that anybody would ask of me. And it was, you know, it was draining because I wasn't catering to myself. I was too timid to say no, you know. But, you know, I've learned. Excuse me, I've grown and I've gotten better. And, you know, now if I don't want to do something, I don't do it. And I sit straight up and I tell people that all the time. Like, no, I don't want to do that. Or, or, uh, 
yeah, really, that's <laughs> really that's it. I just be like, no, nah, I don't want to do that, and I don't do it because I don't do. I no longer do things that I don't want to do. I don't do things that don't contribute to my happiness. Now, every now and then, yes, I may I may go out of my way for somebody, but it's only for people that you know that are close to me or people who are considered good friends. I may you know every now and then um, go out of my way for that. But it's not often because I know when I was being that yes man, I was taken advantage of, you know, and it's not a good feeling. And that's looking back during this time, you know, a lot of our people were being taken advantage of. And a lot of it was because they had accepted the way life was. And they didn't want to cause, they were they were scared of conflict. And they just wanted to, well, really they just, well, I don't really want to say that they were scared, but they wanted to avoid conflict. Let's put it like that. They wanted to avoid conflict. They didn't want to, um, they didn't want things to escalate because they, you know, the brain can be, it can be crippling sometimes in, in its ways of imagining things. And so they probably avoided, wanted to avoid conflict at all costs because the brain will start imagining the worst if they were to think, okay, he asked me to give him my seat. I'm going to say no. And then it's like all these images just boom, 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 coming through of uh, being pulled off the bus, beaten, um, arrested. You get thrown in jail. They probably pay some of the uh the guards and whatnot to beat you in here and then now you gotta go to court and then they don't give you a fair trial and then you're locked up and you're not gonna see your family you know and it just goes on and on and on and on and I feel like that's that's what happened. A lot of people just wanted to avoid conflict because they didn't because the re- if if things had escalated the result of the conflict would have been detrimental. It would have been, um, uns- it, the the thought of what the result would have been is it was unsettling, you know. And so I think that the fact that she opened that self development, that self institute, so that people can stop being yes men and yes women and start doing things for themselves and and becoming leaders and becoming supporters of one another. Um, you know, the fact that she opened it for those reasons is truly, um, inspiring, you know, it makes me kind of rethink some of the things that I want to do, um, just with my life and my life plans and how I want to, uh, you know, go for it with these kinds of things. And so, uh, Sister Rosa Parks transcended at the age of 92 due to natural causes in her home of Detroit, Michigan, on October 24th, 2005. She was the first woman and second non-U.S. government official to lie in honor at the Capitol Rotunda. But um, I feel like there's much, much more to Sister Rosa, Sister Rosa Parks. Um, as you guys know, I usually do a notable quote when I talk about a, whenever I do an episode about a specific 
individual. I actually think I missed the Bob Marley one, but um, I posted it on the social media. If you're not following, little plug, if you're not following the uh, Instagram, the All Black Everything Instagram, it is A-L-L underscore three, the number three, L-A-C-K underscore everything, E-V-E-R-Y-T-H-I-N-G. Every time I upload an episode, make a post, and so, um, and eventually I'll start posting, even when I don't, uh, even when I'm not posting an episode, you know, but, um, there aren't any on the, on my resource, for my resource, I don't see a notable quote, but I'm gonna tell y'all right now what Rosa Parks, Queen Rosa Parks notable quote was, are you ready, quote, open quote, no, end quote. That's it. That's her most notable quote. No. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so much power in just those two letters right there in the, in the word no. But it's, it, like I said, it's a simple fact. People don't want to hurt other people's feelings. We want to avoid conflict. Because usually if you, it's like this. When you say yes, when you agree to something, that's the end of it. It's like, okay, cool. You say yes. Boom. Right? But as soon as you tell somebody no, what they say? Why? Or why not? You know? And so now you got to go into explaining yourself and why you don't want to do it. But when honestly, you really don't have to explain yourself to them, whoever it is. Because if you say no, then no means no. You don't. You don't have to do it. You know what I mean? You don't want to do it. Just be straight up. If they, if you say no, they ask you to do something, you say no. And they say why? And just be like, because I don't want to. And leave it at that. Don't You don't have to make up a lie. You don't have to make up no excuses. You don't, you don't have to explain yourself. If, if there's a, a reason why you can't do it, just be like, because I don't want to. And if that person has a problem with that, then maybe that person shouldn't be around you. Because I guarantee you, I know for a fact, if you got people around you and you're their yes person, like their yes man or their yes woman, and you always doing things for them, I guarantee you for a fact, you ask them for a favor, I bet you they'll say no. I bet you they'll make up a lie or an excuse and be like, oh, um, well, I got to do blah, da, da, or... I got to do, 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 or, um, I won't be able, you know what I mean? So it is, it, <clears throat> that's how I said they use you. If you, if you become a yes man or a yes woman, they, they use you. So become like Sister Rosa Parks, hop on the path of self-development. You may be timid right now, but that can all change within a couple weeks, a couple months, a year. And you can be that Rosa Parks. You can be that person who finally stands up and says no because simply because you don't want to. All right, that is all for today's episode of All Black Everything. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget, um, comments, questions, and concerns to the email. The email is the number four, L-L, the number three, 
L-A-C-K, everything, E-V-E-R-Y-T-H-I-N-G, at gmail.com, social media, well, the Instagram, I'm not, I've been thinking if I should make a Twitter or not, but I'll think on it, but the Instagram is A-L-L underscore, the number three, L-A-C-K, underscore, everything, E-V-E-R-Y-T-H-I-N-G, and uh, don't forget, share this with your family. Your friends, your co-workers, uh, your brother, mother, sister, uncle, cousin, grandparents, your neighbor's dog, your, um, what's the one, what's the one, what's the one, what's the one? Oh yeah, you already know, your auntie, three times removed, twice replaced, added, subtracted, never divided. We don't know what that means, but what are we going to do? We're going to talk about it, but not today. All right, but uh, anyway, hope you enjoyed today's episode of All Black Everything. Enjoy the rest of your day, and remember, always remember, black peace, black love, and black soul.